Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We knew we were going to be a three or four. Didn't know how it would fall. We didn't know how much consideration the five games Kofi missed. You know, we lost two of those. We didn't know how much that would play. And, and then being here without Jacob Grandison and the last one would play. So, but, you know, it's a, it's, it's four seed. It's, you know, a top 16 seed. And then the NCAA tournament, give me that every year and I'll call it good. As the voice of Illini head men's basketball coach Brad Underwood. He was on with Mully and Haw yesterday morning. Those are your co Big Ten champion, Illinois fighting Illini. And we uh it's probably worth noting we do have we got Angry Badgers fan on the on the text line right now from the eight one five after the, the discussion with Jason Goff a little while ago. No need to be upset, man. Juwan Howard got suspended. It, it's been we're weeks removed from it. It's all good. Your team shared the Big Ten title. I don't know if they're gonna get eliminated in game one. I don't know if they're gonna make the final four. My guy, though, has a much better idea of that. And uh, since I read a text, I suppose I should let folks know that the text zone is brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time. Shop online at rosenhyundai.com. But let me go out to the Circle Resort and Casino in Las Vegas. Hotline, home of the world's largest sports book, and invite my guy, John Crispin, into the discussion here. Crispin can be found on Twitter at John Crispin. ESPN. He's one of my partners over at SiriusXM. You can find him on television on ESPN. He will be on Westwood One calling Variety a, a plethora of veritable smorgasbord of NCAA tournament men's basketball games. Crispy, how you doing this evening? My man, it, it's good to be with you. Look, I was with you earlier today. Uh, I hope <laughs> I make more sense than I did this morning. And uh, I'm a little concerned. I don't want to. I don't want to walk into the fire here. I don't want to deal with angry Badgers fans. What They're am I getting there, myself man. into? Well, I mean, you know, I'm assuming the fan base maybe takes a little bit of the the tenor of the squad. Like, I mean, you know, you evaluate Wisconsin basketball as closely as anyone, and yeah, they they yep. take the court with a little bit of extra gusto. Opponents might leave the court a little bit upset at times, but. That led them to a Big Ten title. Greg Gard had a spectacular season, as did Johnny Davis. Their fans need to settle down a little bit, though. Now, what the fans should appreciate, see, I would have gone one step further um, if I were Greg Gard. Now, remember we talked about, I don't know if you were on when we talked about this, but this Mm. is what I would do if I was a coach. If I was a coach and I was trying to just end the game, I put my guys out there, take my starters out, and if somebody wants to keep pressing me, Mm-hmm. I would have called timeout just to put my starters back in. <laughs> I would have put my starters back in to break the press. I mean, I'd probably get beat up with way more than a, an open hand slap, but it's okay 
I would be able to defend myself because if you want to keep playing, I'm going to keep playing. I would have put Johnny Davis right back in there with Brad Davidson, and I would have said, guys, just go beat this press and keep scoring until they take it off. Like, that's <laughs> basketball. I think it's fair. I mean, the, the oversensitive world that we're in, you think, oh, well, it's an unspoken rule. Well, who broke the unspoken rule first? If you're going to break one, I'll break it too, and I'll just break it ten times harder so that'll squash the whole thing. So I don't know. I, I probably would have caused way more than a fight, uh, more, way more of a fight if I were a coach. Uh, but I absolutely 100% would have done it. Yes, and I have no doubt about that. There would have been more more than a, a cheek caress that would have taken place during the post game. But that's hey, that's competitive athletics, and that is how yep. John Crispin rolls. Now, the one of the topics, of course, topic du jour is whether or not there are truly any great teams in, in college basketball. Yeah. It's been one of the discussions throughout the season here. So now that first four is commencing and the tournament is upon us. Do you think that the what's perceived as a lack of truly great teams, does it open the field up that much more for who can potentially make the Final Four? Does it condense it because there's just less teams who can achieve at that level consistently? You know, it's funny because we've gotten to the point where I think we collectively, and I say we as, as goofball analysts that think we know anything about this game when reality proves us wrong constantly, right? The games are played and everything we thought would happen doesn't happen, yet we still act like we know what we're talking about. I'm just being real. Um, I think there are 20-plus teams that can make a Final Four. And if you can make a Final Four, you can win a championship. It's that simple. And and I put the plus at the end because it might be like 22 and it could be 30. You know, anywhere in there. Somewhere over 20 teams. There are legitimately that many teams that are good enough. And there's no one that is that good. And I'm including Gonzaga in that. I think if anybody is above anyone else stylistically and, and uh, personnel that matches the style. I think it's Arizona. I really do. Regardless of whether Kirk Kreese is healthy or not, you know, they just adjusted who they are and they were even better. Uh, so I think Arizona's up there, but they have vulnerabilities too. And this season has pointed out vulnerabilities for numerous teams, you know, Duke beating Gonzaga. That's one thing. Uh, obviously what Duke went through through the rest of the season, you realize they're certainly vulnerable and have issues, but Gonzaga losing to St. Mary's. Proof that if you play a different style and control the game in a way that they're not comfortable, you can beat them. And, and I think St. Mary's is a good team, but you know they're not at the, the level, the caliber of, of a Gonzaga. So I think I, I put it like this: I, I was on Sports Center a couple of weeks ago, and I said it was when we had one through six lose. I think we had one through six and nine all lose on the same day, all on the road. And I said, look, it's proof that. Everybody's pretty good, but no one's that good. And I think that lends itself to, to having a, a great NCAA tournament, more unpredictability, and that's ultimately what we love, If so long as you don't have a dog in the fight. <laughs> yeah, and things are when they get more unpredictable, then folks have a tendency to maybe get a little bit more upset at yep. times. The, uh, the conference that, that you played in at Penn State, and you know, before transferring to UCLA, of course, but and the conference yep. I played in at Iowa, the Big Ten has a second consecutive year here where, where nine teams get to the NCAA tournament. We, of course, are waiting to see what the results will be. But coming off of last season, the discussion around the Big Ten is that the conference sort of has something to prove off of last year's yeah. results. Where do you think the Big Ten is just in, in sort of the national discussion about the depth, the potential greatness of the conference? Well, I think it's hard because, like, I, I define the greatness of a conference based on what a conference season's like. And if you play 20 games in the Big Ten, you wouldn't want to be in the Big Ten anymore. It's just how it is. Now, what I like about the Big Ten now, which is different from, from when I played, 
Um, it, it's got more variety in the sense that you have teams that are looking to score more than just defend. And, and I get, look, you got to play good defense. I mean, people have been critical of Purdue all season saying, you know, yeah, that's great. They can score. They've got great depth and the size and all that stuff, but, but they're not defending well enough. Well, most teams get beat in the NCAA tournament because they can't outscore their opponent. And you come up against somebody that can handle what you do defensively, and they're going to force you to score 75, 85 points. And, and you've got teams from the Big Ten that can do that, frankly, even Wisconsin. Because, you know, now that I know there's enough Wisconsin people listening, I'm going to, you know, <laughs> pat the dog a little bit. Um, look, even Wisconsin, they've shown the ability to kind of break it off a little bit, play with a little, a few more possessions. They're playing with more possessions per game. But ultimately, they're trusting their talent, similar to what they did when they had Frank Kaminsky and Sam Decker, where you can say, guys, we've got playmakers. We've got to let the playmakers break it off from time to time and go play. Now, the key is they need guys to make shots when, when they want to score in the 80s. But they've shown not only a willingness, but an ability to do it. And I think that's what you need in the NCAA tournament. I get defense travels, defense wins championships, only if you can score more than 75 points in the NCAA tournament. So we don't finish the sentence with that, right? Defense travels, defense wins championships, but you still have to outscore your opponent. That's great. You can hold them to 59, but you better score 60-plus. So I think the variety in the Big Ten has made teams offensively better. And that's what I'm most excited about from the Big Ten for the Big Ten in the NCAA tournament. I hope it it can bring it together. Last year was, it was tough, man. When When you cheer for this conference, when you root for this conference, when you have an empathetic perspective for the coaches and the players in this conference, you want to see them succeed. Doesn't mean everybody's going to go to a Final Four, but you just want to see them go out and have success, not get beat by Oral Roberts, right? Not get beat by North Texas. Not get beat by Loyola. Like, Sorry to bring that up, fans, but that's just what happened. So you want to get out of that first round. You want to show strong in the second. You want to continue as long as you're able to. And when I say able, as long as you're the best team. When you're the best team, you want to win. And I think you you eventually run into somebody who's just better, and that's okay. But the Big Ten's lost to teams that are inferior in so many ways. So I I hope things are different, and I think scoring is going to help that. You hear him pronouncing it as tournament, and that is because he's from Jersey through and through. That is John Crispin. I, I also say Water. He does that as well. He might be sipping on some water as we speak here. My partner at SiriusXM, you see him on ESPN, you hear him. You will continue to hear him on Westwood One, calling the NCAA tournament as it ensues here. He's on Twitter at John Crispin ESPN. And uh, just keeping with the with the Big Ten specifically for a moment, it, it does seem that, that some of the individual talent, you know, it's one thing, like it's not like the Big Ten is a stranger to lottery picks, but, you know, when you're yeah. kind of going down the line here of having guys like, like like Johnny Davis, Keegan Murray, uh, Jaden Ivey. D- does it seem that the – I've heard you, you've obviously discussed it. You and I have discussed the style of play and how you're seeing it perhaps be a little more versatile in the Big Ten. Are you seeing yes. the playmaking, the, the athletes, is that a little different in the Big Ten now than it used to be? Absolutely. I mean, look, not many people look at the Big Ten, think of the Big Ten, frankly, football or basketball, and say, wow, that's sexy. You know, it's just – we don't get that a lot. It's it's always been Big Ten make men and, you know, off tackles at Penn State <laughs> until Joe Sterno retired, right? Like, it's it's been ground and pound in the Big Ten. And I think coaches over time have changed. Um, Tom Izzo adapted to his personnel, and since then, things were a little different, right? They played through Cassius Winston. That was a lot different than the Tom Izzo I played against. Brad Underwood comes in. They want to play fast. Fran McCaffrey's pushing tempo. I honestly think Matt Painter understands I got too much talent. I I can't put training wheels on this talent. We've got to go out and score. And you may sacrifice a little something defensively, but in the end, I think you set yourself up for the NCAA tournament, but also 
I think you set yourself up to get better talent. And I'm talking the, the sex appeal talent, right? The Johnny Davises, the, the Jaden Ivies, who's Jaden Ivey's the best open court player in college basketball. And if you're a great open court player, that means you're, you're a lottery pick in my opinion. You know, Keegan Murray to me is the best player in, in college basketball. I, I've told, I've told multiple GMs and, and assistant GMs and scouts that I, I'm sorry, I'd have a tough time passing on Keegan Murray if I had the first pick of the draft. Cause I feel like I'd regret it. I think he's that good. And when you start to have players like that, if you're a good coach, which we have a ton of good coaches in the Big Ten, if you're a good coach, you adapt your style to your best players. And that's what we're really benefiting from. Like the defenses that Fran McCaffrey runs, they're, they're adapted to the personnel. Keegan Murray's at the top of that 1-3-1. He's getting steals leading the break. He's hiding Jordan Bohannon in the back. Jordan Bohannon is now the trailer catching fire threes. Like there are so many things that these guys do with the personnel that they have. And the more they're able to play to their personnel – the better personnel they're going to get. So I really do feel like things are turning around a little bit and and a strong showing in the NCAA tournament also helps. And you know, the other thing, the other truth of this NIL helps Ohio state's got it rolling from an NIL perspective. And and I think they're kind of leading the charge, particularly in this conference. And as everybody starts to see the talent that Ohio state's going to get because of the NIL dollars that they have lined up, I think everybody else is going to follow suit. And then the big 10 is going to kind of lead the charge for even more talent to come through. You'll hear John Crispin on Westwood One. If I'm remembering correctly, you'll actually be calling the Iowa versus Richmond game yes, on Westwood sir. One as the NCAA tournament opens up, and he'll be sipping on water as he calls the opening yep. of the tournament when that takes place. Uh, beyond the the Big Ten, I'm wondering do you do you see some? Well, you know what? It doesn't have to be beyond the Big Ten, but I'm wondering, you know, as folks are filling out their brackets and kind of getting ready for that with the first four tipping off. Are there bracket busters, teams that would be perceived as lower seeds that have a chance at advancing deep? Are there, are there teams like that that you have your eye on who you think have a chance to do it? You know, it's funny. Like, I'm one of those guys where I like to pick like, mis- uh, upsets in the first round, but beyond that, I just struggle to see it. You know, mm-hmm. I, I struggle to see a ton of upsets in the second and, and obviously then Sweet 16 and Elite Eight. Now, it happens. Don't get me wrong. But as an analyst, as a guy who watches all these teams, who breaks down tape and, and does all those silly things that we do as, in this profession, I have a tough time applying logic and seeing all these upsets. And it's because it's completely illogical. Like, it, you look at Colorado State. I think Colorado State's a really good team. And, and sorry, Michigan fans, I, I think Colorado State probably gets by Michigan. I, I just They're experienced. They're old. They're big. And I think they'll be able to handle the youth of Michigan. But, but you, you're eventually going to run into somebody like a Nova. So can Colorado State, an old, experienced team who, who's, who's done really well in the Mountain West, which took four teams to the NCAA tournament, could they really make a run? Yeah, they absolutely could. But you're eventually going to run into some other old, experienced teams who have been in and around the top ten throughout the course of the year. So if you think about a team like Villanova, if that's a team that's been here, expects to be here, and knows how to win here. And they are old, and they've got even better talent. So I think it's a, it's a little different this year because everybody's older. You know, even Kentucky's older, which is weird for a lot of people to think. Oscar Shebway and Kellen Grady, you have experienced dudes that know how to play the game at the highest level, and they allow your youth to be great. And I think that's going to be the challenge for a lot of these second-round upsets, these Sweet 16 upsets. I think there are teams like Virginia Tech, even though they're, they're a known commodity, and they won the ACC, they're still an 11th seed, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they're 11th seed. I think they can make a little run, but are they getting by Purdue? I just can't see it. Nothing in my basketball logic tells me that that should happen, which means 
you know, it probably will happen. <laughs> tournament. Uh, I think there are other teams, though, like Memphis and Boise State. I think whoever wins that game is going to give the Zags a run for their money. I've had a lot of Memphis this year for ESPN. I did the AAC uh, semis and finals, uh, Memphis and Houston in the championship game. And Memphis just, they bring a chaos to the game. They have a depth and a physicality that it's going to shock a team like Gonzaga. Uh, they'll be more physical than St. Mary's was to Gonzaga. Uh, but at the same time, that chaos could really disrupt the rhythm of the game. So I can't predict that as an upset, but I can tell you that that would be a tough matchup for the Zags, and they're really going to have to play their best basketball. Look, the upsets don't just happen when the other team plays well. The upsets ultimately happen when the other team can force the better team to play poorly. And I think there are some matchups like that, but they're hard to predict. And of course, here in the city of Chicago, folks are all excited about Loyola as a 10 seed. Yep. Ohio State's been a little bit up and down, as you and I know, from the way they've been able to finish the season here. Got a star in E.J. Liddell. Loyola's got, you know, Drew Valentine as a coach, taking over for Porter Mosier. Here they are. They've won the Missouri Valley Conference, yep. presumably for the last time, on their way to the A-10. Do you, do you give Loyola yep. much of a shot against the Buckeyes? Oh, I certainly give them a shot because of the inconsistency of the Buckeyes. Um I, I like Ohio State mainly because I really like Chris Holtman. I think he does a terrific job with his basketball programs, and I think E.J. Liddell is just an awesome human being. Uh, there's not a lot of guys that you would say, what a great smile. Well, E.J. Liddell is one of those dudes. <laughs> like you think, if I said who, who out there has had a great smile in college basketball, you'd first you'd say Magic Johnson, and I don't know who else, but E.J. Liddell's on that list. Uh, great kid, great leader, versatile player. I think the versatility of E.J. Liddell is the biggest challenge for Loyola because – when you have a big around the perimeter that can take you in the post, can play to certain matchup advantages, it just challenges your defensive principles. And Loyola is a principle-based team. They really are. I mean, they still do a lot of the similar things that Porter Mosier did, defensively at least. Obviously, there's, there's a new spin on it. But at the same time, you have a player who's going to break down your principles. It means that you need to scramble. You need to communicate really well. So I think I've got to give an edge to Ohio State, but Look, Loyola, Sister Jean, you got all things going your way. Uh, they they found a way to get through their season. It wasn't an easy season. Uh, but I still think Ohio State is the better team because I think Ohio State's ba- it's got some of those same foundational principles that Loyola has. I just think Ohio State's better. All right. So for putting you on the spot for tonight, who knows? These things could change by the next time we talk. But for the moment, if you're predicting a Final Four, who do you have in there? Um, I'm going to look, let's see what bracket I have in front of me. I do a different bracket for every show I do because, you know, I just, I should play to the audience, but I'll be honest with this. Um, I actually have Texas tech beating Gonzaga uh, to go to the final four. I really do. I love Texas tech. I think their their defense is great, but they've also shown the ability and willingness to score, which goes back to how I started this whole conversation. I I think Mm -hmm. they'll play Purdue who will beat UCLA to get to the final four. Uh, And I think on the other side, I've got to go with Arizona and Kansas. I think Kansas has a little too much of what Wisconsin can do, but they have a little bit more than in, t- in terms of what, what Wisconsin can't do from a depth mm. and scoring pers- uh, perspective. So I do think Kansas is the better team there. Sorry, Wisconsin folks, but hey, an Elite Eight, uh, elite eight uh, appearance wouldn't be too bad. So I've got Zona and Kansas, Texas Tech and Purdue. I've got Purdue advancing to the championship game and Arizona advancing to the championship game where, sorry, Big Ten folks, uh, I, I have to think Zona wins. Uh, I love this Arizona team. I think Tommy Lloyd's just been a terrific coach. They've got length to match up with Purdue, and, and I just think they have more playmakers than we even are aware of yet. Crispy, 
You are the goods, my friend. Always enjoy our conversations. Looking forward to doing it again. Yeah, man, I'll talk to you Friday morning. All right, cool. Looking forward to it, man. Let's do it. That is John right, Crispin. Brother. Hey, enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. That's John Crispin, one of my partners over at SiriusXM. You see him on ESPN, you hear him on Westwood One, and you hear him on SiriusXM. You can find him on Twitter at John Crispin ESPN. Uh, when we return, there is some breaking Bears news out there that I will deliver to you, let you know what's happening from the folks over there at Hallis Hall. And also, I, I referenced a, a story that I would like to impart upon you from a time, from a moment in history. I was feeling my oats and, and got a little bit out over my skis. I'm sure many of you can relate. Uh, it, it, the Bulls game last night sort of put me in that frame of mind where they just came out there super cash. I'm sure you've experienced that. You've probably been in that boat before. 312-644-6767. 312-644-6767. When were you feeling yourself a little bit too much? When did you get a little too cocky and somebody kind of knocked you down a peg or two? I would love to hear your tales as the Bulls got taken down a peg Last night, we'd love to hear your tales of when someone said, you know what, you're doing quite as much as you think you are. Get into that and some breaking Bears news next on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date download the instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last minimum ten dollar per order additional term supply t-mobile has invested billions to light up america's largest 5g network from big cities to small towns including right here in yours and great coverage is just the beginning right now families and small businesses can save up to 20 percent versus at&t and verizon when they switch visit your local t-mobile store today plan savings with three lines of t-mobile essentials versus comparable available plans plan features and taxes and fees may vary (sighs) spring is a time of renewal so why not refresh your home with a little help from blinds.com We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. I was practicing the long snapping. <laughs> About halfway through our time this evening. Been a fun show so far. This Tuesday night edition. I'm Anthony Heron on Twitter and Instagram at Big Ant Heron. Appreciate y'all listening in. I'm with you until 9 o'clock here on The Score. Adam Studzinski on the ones and twos for me throughout the show this evening. A little breaking news to deliver. 
Breaking news on the score is brought to you by DuckDuckGo. Protect your privacy online for free with DuckDuckGo. DuckDuckGo Privacy Simplified. And just a few short minutes ago, reported by Brad Biggs, a frequent guest on a variety of platforms, mainly the Mullion Haw Show. In the mornings here on the score, Bears are re-signing veteran long snapper Patrick Scales on a one-year contract. Uh, Biggs went on to tweet. One-year contract includes a $152,000 and 500 signing bonus and a base salary of $1.12 million. $895,000 of the base salary is guaranteed, so total value for Scales is $1,272,500. That according to Brad Biggs of the Trib. But he also went on to tweet this just a couple of minutes ago, staying on topic of the Bears specialist, sounds like punter, Pat O'Donnell could wind up elsewhere. That's uh, it's unfortunate, surprising. I mean, it, you know, it's one of those things. It's like you, you take it for granted, just like the QB center exchange where until uh, a, a long snap goes awry, until a shotgun snap goes awry, until the ball gets fumbled with the center snapping it from the quarterback or until a punter shanks one out of bounds, you really take all of them for granted because it's one of those things that you just see it and it it's made to look easy. It's made to look simplistic by the individuals executing those gigs, or at least in the you know, in the, the space of the QB center exchange, that's the portion of the play that looks most simple. And then from there the play gets very, very difficult to execute because you have other angry people trying to stop you from doing what you want to do. But it's very easy to take a long snapper and a punter for granted. The Bears in this case are not taking the long snapper for granted. Uh, and who knows, you know, could be an overstatement to say they would be taking Pat O'Donnell for granted, but whatever his asking price is, it uh, seems that according to Brad Biggs, the Bears are not preparing to meet it. So the expectations that Pat O'Donnell will be moving on elsewhere. So that's a, another position. It certainly, it would be framed as a position of need, I think is a fair way to frame that while it's not of the highest priority, like playmakers at receiver, Hell, like a playmaking tight end would be nice as well. Uh, like additional defensive linemen, certainly like offensive linemen. There's a whole lot of stuff the Bears are going to need in, in filling out their roster, and they don't have a whole lot of guys under contract at the moment. Uh, but that being said, now you, you add punter, apparently, or at least you will be adding punter to the mix there. But the Bears are retaining the services of their long snapper, Patrick Scale. So it's one down, but now there will be one uh, that still remains to go from there so we'll see of course how that ends up materializing some of the folks out there enjoying the uh, Ohio State the, the NCAA tournament discussion we were having there uh, the 309 uh, texted in saying that if Ohio State plays zone for 60% of the game they'll beat Loyola uh, I don't know and, and the Buckeyes they they do vary some defenses a little bit under Chris Holtman but you know who knows if uh yeah, you know, I, I don't. I, I doubt they're going to really stick to the zone concept. That's not exactly what Ohio State tends to do. Hoping doesn't mind mixing in a little bit of zone, but his defense is with the Buckeyes, more man based. Um, actually, let me get uh, get another text in here because there was a question that came in earlier in the show that I was a little bit intrigued by. Now I'm going to tell you what one of the stories that I was promising. I've been teasing throughout the show here, but three one two text in. Love your show. You're the perfect person to ask. I've always wanted to know. How do NFL players get paid? Do you literally get a check, direct deposit, etc.? What are the mechanics? So this, and yeah, you know, bounced around with uh, 
really I was five different teams throughout the, the five years I was in the, the NFL. So different teams have slightly different models for payment. Now, just like with any any job, once you get to a certain level, you know, some folks out there just make cash for their work, of course. But get to a certain level of employment and direct deposit is certainly available to you, just like it it would be available in the NFL. But and keep in mind, like my NFL career was in the early 2000s, so things have even evolved since then. But just as far as my personal experience with payment, one of the things that was really odd, like I mentioned, a lot of teams just handle this differently. But when I was still in the league, man, there were multiple teams. I mean, they would literally, somebody would come around while we were out on the practice field, and you come in there on like a Wednesday, and your paychecks would just be laying on the lockers millions of dollars in paper just lying on lockers just out in the wide open now obviously everyone on an nfl team everyone on these rosters is well compensated so in theory thievery shouldn't be necessary it in theory wouldn't be as much of a concern in an nfl locker room as it would be just like you know roaming down the the streets of of uh you know just some some town somewhere but that being said it did strike me really odd some of the locker rooms i was in when payday came they would just bring the checks and just leave everybody's money you know it's check and cash but they would just leave everybody's checks just laying on the lockers their green bay was a little different i spent some time uh, with with the packers they would go every two weeks for their payment. They would just sit everybody's checks on the locker. So every other week, uh, there, there you'd be. There'd be a check just laying there waiting on you to come grab it. Most teams around the league were, were paying on a weekly basis uh, from a tax perspective. Since I mentioned taxes earlier, um, NFL players, you, you get taxed as though you get paid throughout the full calendar year because that is your yearly salary. But you get paid as though you're making that amount of money throughout the entire calendar year. So it's one of those things you got to factor in when you're a pro athlete that even though you're, you're only making that portion of the money during the season and you know you only get paid so much during the offseason or during the preseason, the real money gets made during the regular season over the, the course of those you know four-plus months, you know, call it five months if your team is doing okay. rest of the year, you're not getting any real money from the team, but you do get taxed at the rate as though you're, you're making that same money throughout the year, and then you got to kind of figure those machinations out in April. But uh, you know, things have evolved a little bit. A lot more players around the league doing just straight direct deposit, which is advisable at this point. But I do remember being struck, uh, especially in my rookie year, just the the willingness that teams had on payday. And, you know, like at this point, we're talking over 20 years ago now where – it was still a lot more prevalent. Like, I don't know, studs, for you, uh, how you how you tend to roll financially. Like, I still, you know, I'm 42, so I'm, I'm not ancient, but I'm not that young anymore. Uh, but I still, I still, I don't mind writing checks. I don't, I still don't do a whole lot of, like, I do some online commerce, not a whole lot. You're obviously younger than me, so I would imagine, is that something, like, have, do you still, do you write checks at all, studs? Or do I... you do everything online? I personally do not write a lot of checks anymore, but I will say that like I live with my girlfriend, right? And so when Ooh. when we pay rent every month, that is in the form of a check, but okay. I Venmo her and then she writes the check for the full rent. So right. I haven't personally written a check in a, in a, a couple of years. I know how to. Yeah. 
I just okay. I haven't You've done it. In a while. Yes. Uh, do yes. you know how to write your name in, in cursive? Apparently, that's oh, something course, they don't yeah. teach so much I feel, anymore. <laughs> I think that they. St- I don't know when they stopped doing that. I was shocked when I found out that they don't teach you how to write cursive anymore. But then I thought about it. I was like, well, yeah, I guess it is kind of useless now because the whole point was for helping, like when you're writing essays, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so, like, they don't have to do that, and you don't have to actually sit down and write out long form essays on a piece of paper with a pencil anymore. So it it makes sense. But yes, I know how to sign. I know how to write cursive. I don't do it much anymore, but I I sign my name in cursive. It just it feels to me like a, a skill that's that used to be common in society that is now just being lost. Uh, just a whole generation of people that aren't being taught in school to write in cursive. It just, I don't know when the skill will be necessary ever again, but like my, my son, you know, my four year old, he's, he can read digital time in my mind though. My hope. And if, if he didn't learn it in school, which he probably won't today because most clocks are digital, you don't actually get the dials turning on a clock like you used to. But I do recall being in school and having to sort of like being confused at a young age, just trying to figure out like, so the long hand means this and the shorter hand means that. And just learning how to like tell time on one of those types of clocks. And there's just a whole generation of people who aren't experiencing that anymore because all time is told digitally. Like, just Really? They morning. don't teach you how to read an, an analog clock in school anymore? No. That I no. feel like is a valuable skill still because you still see those clocks around. Like, it's they, not nearly yeah. as common, but you still see them. Like we have one in the score studio here. There's a digital <laughs> one right next to it, but we have an, 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 well, it's a digital analog clock, but it's an analog form, you know. Okay, so it's, it's really kind of, it's kind of fake digital. Like yeah, it's, still, yeah, it's, it's one so of those ones hands, that, that is, like, is, is all digital, it. but it's got the hands and everything, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a whole generation of people that aren't going to develop those skills. And I just That's think it's crazy. an unfortunate thing. Writing in cursive, reading analog clocks, I mean, that, those are things that I think society would still benefit from. Just to continue to be well-rounded sort of people or driving a stick shift. Do you know how to drive a stick shift, Studs? I I do. Another okay. another thing that I haven't had to do in quite some time. But if you put me behind the wheel of a stick shift car, I could do it. All right. Yeah, good. And see, for me, it was I didn't know uh, I, I was OK at it at a younger age because my parents did have a variety of cars that, that my folks had when I was younger. But th- there was occasionally a stick shift that would that would usually kind of roll through the driveway at some point. I wasn't really effective at it back then. I learned to, to drive on a. You know, on a on a standard, uh, or I guess stick shift is standard, but uh, whatever the the non stick shift uh, terminology is, automatic. To drive on automatic. Yes, yeah, thank you. Learn to drive on automatic, but then once I got to college, and my then girlfriend now wife had a stick shift in college, and so once I practiced up on hers a little bit more, then I got more more accustomed to to being able to drive a stick shift there. But it, it really seems to me like you know. Maybe cursive won't be necessary anymore. You know, once we get a few years removed from this thing, there'll probably be, you know, a whole generation of people who will just have to tell folks, have to tell generations by gone about writing in cursive. But for me, just as an old English major, I do still enjoy that. Like I take notes. I was talking to when I had John Crispin on earlier. You know, he's a basketball analyst. I'm a football analyst. And when I'm calling games and I'm doing my homework, when I'm studying up, I, I do take a lot of notes. Uh, I've sort of begun transitioning to taking my notes on my laptop and just typing things up when I'm interviewing coaches or when I'm watching film. And, you know, it's, it is a, more, a quicker, easier way just to jot things down and have easy access to them for traveling. But I still got just piles and piles of notebooks from notes that I've taken in years past and notes to this day that I will still take. Sometimes I just pick up a notebook and start just writing things down by hand when I'm watching film and 
it's a little easier when I'm writing that in cursive just to kind of, you know, like you're talking about, just to be able to kind of scribble it out in a little more quick fashion than what used to be, you know, than what you're doing if you're just trying to print it. So I don't know, man. I'm, I may, I got my son a little, you know, he's in this little hippie preschool right now. So I'm hoping some of those skills that, that uh, you know, perhaps in just your, your standard public school education, maybe there, some of those are bygone. I'm hoping that however long he stays in this little little hippie private school we got him in, maybe they'll still keep some of those skills going in their educational development. Because there are things that I, I want him to still know that I don't necessarily. My impression is that the educational system isn't nurturing some of those older things anymore like they used to be. Um, Man, my cursive is so bad now. I just tried writing a couple words just to see if it's yeah. still there. It's so bad now. I can I have to really sit down and think. Like you're out of practice. Yeah. But if I'm doing just the two words that involve my first and last name, your perfect. first and last name, yes, that's perfect. It. Yeah, yeah, that's that's not good. But like I tried my middle name, and because I don't have to, I, I usually don't have to sign that part of my name. I tried writing that out. Oh, I had to really, I struggled. <laughs> I got it done, but I struggled through it. What's your middle name, studs? Tristler. It's like my just. Like, oh, okay. That's yeah. why I I never put that together. I was wondering why Tristler was in your Twitter handle. Yes, I never. Asked yeah, you. Tristler Studs. So Tristler's okay. my middle name. All right, that makes sense. It sounds like a band name. I'm like, like, is he in a music group or something? I had no idea why Tristler was in your Twitter handle. I was in a a a, a music group. Well, we called ourselves a band in college called the Annexation of Puerto Rico. Like of, the play. Of it was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. But you know we. Yes, or no, little from, from Little Giants. Little Giants? Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's where we got that from. And, but I, I don't know if the only time we ever really played, quote, in public was in the basement of my college house during a party. And I think all we did was play the King of the Hill song over and over. <laughs> did you at least go with the acronym? Were you like, you know, AOP, AOPR, I, or something I don't like know. that? I probably. That's <laughs> yeah, a very, very long name for, for a rock band. Were, were you rock? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I can't right. remember. I'd have to look up what the actual Facebook group said because we made Ooh. a page for it. It's a Facebook page and all. Damn, they're pros. Okay, I'm gonna have to look some of this up online. See if you got if you got an album that dropped somewhere back in the day. We we'll have to check that out. Uh, I will uh, get to a, a time out here though. I, I've been promising uh, this story because I did want to hear from some of you out there. Three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven. Because of the the lackadaisical way that the Bulls took the court last night, it did put me in the mind of a story from my playing days when I just I, I was feeling my oats a little bit too much. I got out over my skis, so I'll take a time out. Come back and, and describe some of that to you after uh, delivering some of this breaking bears news and and also we're talking accountability uh, I, I was held accountable in this moment so i'll share that with you next year on chicago sports radio 670 the score okay I, I was giving it a second for some kind of beat to drop i was like you know I was a little bit thrown for a moment, just trying to see, is this, uh, you know, somebody about to yell, they're the king of the world, they're some old lady on the side of a of a giant yacht that's getting ready to sink. Yeah, that one's got a longer walk up. Titanic I might need to situation. edit that one. Yeah. Well, I just, I, I was, I was just waiting, wanting to see if it was something I was going to recognize. I do not, do not recognize that one, Steph, but this, it's all good. This is a song called Wow by Beck. Oh, all right. I'm. Not as familiar with the Beck catalog. I know he's popular, popular artist though. Is this what you what you guys were doing for the annexation of Puerto Rico? No, is this kind of the wheelhouse. No, we never touched any Beck stuff. 
Oh, we okay. uh, let me see. What are some songs that we would jam on here and there when we when we would play when we would get together? As you did uh, locate the, uh, the the world famed uh, AOPR <laughs> yeah. uh, Facebook page. Uh, let me see. I, know, I remember we we jammed on Moby Dick by Led Zeppelin once. We we had a so a, Bruce Levine would have been really fun. Yeah, yeah, uh, he would have loved that yeah, for uh, sure. Right. It, that was good because we didn't have a singer, so it had to be <laughs> mainly instrumentals. You weren't the lead singer? No. Of AOPR? No. I you know, like I've never actually tried singing like publicly or anything. I've I've been told what the few times I've let a few notes out just privately that I can sing, but I've never okay. really tried it. Streets of talking stuff. Yeah. Yeah, these pipes are crack the mic. these pipes are gold. You know. Well, when's the when's the next time you're on? I, I don't want you to sing right now. But when's the next time you're on overnight? You should give it a go. Man. <laughs> that could be something. Maybe that's not a bad idea. I, you know, uh, that's a good question. I got to look at the schedule and double check. I know I'm not on this week. Okay, but right. yeah, we also there's a song called "Meant to Live" by um, Switchfoot. Was that the name of the band? It's a really popular song. Way like 15 years ago, maybe longer. Uh, it's a right. dumb song. But it really just repeats the same certainly, riff over and over. Like a dumb name. Yeah, oh, it's I mean, dumb. Yeah, it's really it's not a great song. But it really it it like it repeats the same kind of thing over and over. So my friend took that riff, and then I didn't really know the drum part, but I just made it up, and and we played it for like ten minutes. It was it's kind of fun actually. All right, I'll take your word for it. Three one two six four four six seven six seven. Got some text rolling in on the discussion we were having in the previous segment. Text on brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time. Shop online at rosenhyundai.com where we, I don't even remember exactly how, we kind of fell into the, the conversation about uh, education and schools and, and what people are and aren't learning these days. Maybe it began with the whole, you know, digital versus analog clock or something where my, my son was, because my son can tell time digitally, but I'm hoping that at some point, even if he doesn't learn it in school, that he will, uh, if nothing else, myself, my wife, we will teach him how to, you know, tell time with the turning dials of the analog clock. Uh, so just a, a few text responses that came in here. So the 708 is claiming that cursive is being taught again in Illinois schools. It was mandated back in 2017. See, I'm with that. I like hearing that that does make me feel better because it's just, it's one of these arts that in my mind, I just hope don't get lost over generations. Uh, the 630 points out that on contracts and other documents, there are two lines. Print your name, sign your name. Signing is usually cursive. Agreed there. Uh, one day, it'll be both the same by the next generation, or it will just be sign your name, or both will look exactly the same. We shall see. We shall see. The 815 says, uh, they don't teach you to tie your shoes in school anymore. Huh. I don't recall ever learning to tie my shoes in school in the first place. I feel like I knew that skill before I got to school. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a that skill my parents taught me. Agreed. That was something I learned at home. I, I can't say that I, I expect that. I don't, you know, my, when my son is like right now, he's still doing the Velcro strap deal. But when he starts going to school and uh, well, when he starts going to more extensive school, I'm, I'm planning on teaching him to tie my way. Do, do it my way. At, you know, he'll, he'll learn that skill at home. I'm not too worried about that one. Recursive, clocks, things of that ilk. I want school to be ready to teach him some of those things. Um, so I did reference uh, prior to this that there's a, a story I, I keep teasing. We got plenty of time in the final hour where I am going to get to uh, get back to the, the story of just uh, myself uh, during my time. This is actually early in my career when I was with the Detroit Lions. 
circumstance that took place that kind of set me straight when I was feeling my oats a little bit too much. But there's a lot of baseball news that's, of course, been developing. And I talked a lot of White Sox last night. I had Scott Merkin on the show. Going to have Evan Altman on the show in a few minutes to start off my final hour, the 8 o'clock hour. So we get some baseball discussion rolling here for the show as well. And also, one of the new Sox acquisitions, reliever, Joe Kelly, flaming, fireball of an arm, but has continued to evolve his pitching acumen over the years also and doesn't necessarily just throw the hard stuff at all times, but he's a personality, a charismatic personality, if you will. He was on with Parkinson Spiegel earlier today. So during the final hour, you're going to hear from Joe Kelly as well. We're going to run some of that back for you because it was so, so enjoyable. For now, though, we're going to get out of the way, get to this final commercial break of hour number two. Top of the next hour, we're going to talk some Cubs. We'll do that with Evan Altman. Some Cubs discussion next here on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.